You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. Well, let let me tell you, Pascal, over the last eight months, we've been locked down pretty much, haven't we, in the UK and across the world. And as a result of that, we've probably consumed more box sets, more TV serials, more Netflix, more Amazon Prime, more Disney Plus than we've ever done in the past. And probably one of the series that has made it, made lockdown more bearable has been the magnificent Mandalorian. What do you think? Oh, you're absolutely right. You know what's crazy is, of course, this was premiered in the US in November 2018, and we were quite cross with Disney Plus, us in the UK. But literally within days of the lockdown of beginning officially, then season one, episode one of The Mandalorian appeared, obviously, on kind of TV uh, UK networks. And, oh, my God, you're absolutely right. This has been something that, you know, has been a pleasure to watch. And interestingly, for the Two Geeks and Martin podcast, we've been pretty well behaved. We've not really brought the Star Wars universe into film marketing, although we could have because this year was a biggie. It was obviously the anniversary of, you know, um, The Empire Strikes Back, released in 1980. But, you know, we kind of um, believe that, you know, we, we had to stick to the rules of really looking at films past and present. But this this is the very first series that is mentioned on film marketing, but I think it's really worthwhile. So for those of you who don't know what The Mandalorian is, you have to be a bit of a Star Wars universe geek, don't you, Pascal, to know about this? But if you go way, way back to the original trilogy, there was a character in the trilogy called Boba Fett who was wearing particularly fetching armour of a very distinctive style. Now, he didn't actually have much to say he was more of a shoot and talk later type of character, but he was definitely one of those characters that became a favourite of the children. And I think the action figure of Boba Fett was probably one of the best sellers over the years. And that piece of armour, that iconic piece of armour, effectively has formed the basis of this whole new series. Because as it turns out, Boba Fett, that original mercenary is a Mandalorian, and this series follows the story of another Mandalorian dressed in very similar but slightly different armor. And I, I don't know; it's set in the Star Wars universe, but it has a it's out to me. It has a Wild West vibe about it. You know, there's it feels expansive. They're often trekking across deserts. There's often sort of almost gunfights that you would expect an old Clint Eastwood movie to be like. So it's very much within the Star Wars universe, but it has its own unique feel. And of course, it's a TV series. But, and I've said this to you before, Pascal, but I enjoyed the last three Star Wars movies, the ones that have been released over the last few years. And they, you know, incredible, massive set pieces and incredible special effects. But the bottom line is I was somewhat underwhelmed by the stories and by the use of the old characters, 
Whereas there's something just totally immersive about The Mandalorian. And, and I actually found that I'm enjoying The Mandalorian series more than I enjoyed the last three films. It's the same for me. Uh, I mean, I I was very disappointed by by the sequels. I think most Star Wars fans were, uh, for two reasons, uh, we're not going to spend too much time talking about it, but two reasons. One, I wanted more of my heroes, uh, as mentioned to you in other conversations. You know, I, I think that our heroes were very poorly treated by the, the screenwriters. Uh, and more importantly, I still wanted it to feel like a Star Wars universe. And this is where the Mandalorian is winning because this is taking place five years after the of Return of the Jedi. And if you think about it as fans, and even just, you know, people that just enjoy the stories uh, as it is, we have watched, you know, obviously the original strategy uh, a lot, very often. So we're very familiar with, with that universe. And I think what they do really well with Mandalorian is that they're not trying to reinvent uh, the storyline of the universe. They go back to Tatooine. They show the Jawas again. They show the, you know, the, the Sand People again. And they kind of bring that. But there's an, a layer of, can the Mandalorian actually be the link and the glue between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens? You know, can it can kind of make that, that transition? And some of the characters are, are brilliant. And... I found myself absolutely, you know, really loving the character and, of course, his relationship with, you know, the the package, which was essentially, you know, the episode number one. And I love the way in which they've gone straight from episode one and two into the relationship with what has been called with affection, Baby Yoda. Yeah, Baby Yoda is so cute. Um, you know, I, I can imagine that there'll be quite a lot of Baby Yodas on Christmas lists this year. Um, and and again, it's it makes me laugh that the the way they execute the the puppet, I guess, them or the Muppet, I don't know what you would call it, um, is is remarkable. It's cute. It's endearing. It 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 conveys emotion, and you know, it, it does all the things that the big Yoda used to do, but. Obviously, it's at an earlier stage in its development, so it's not quite a master of the force yet. A remarkable performance by the actor playing the Mandalorian, because again, he is wearing this helmet all the time, because it's part of the Mandalorian culture that they don't take their helmets off almost ever. And yet, he still managed to act his socks off, even though he's got this bloody helmet on. So, yeah, absolute kudos. And, and what I also believe is that for a series which looks so gorgeous and so expansive and so big, I think that actually they do it on quite a, a tight budget in Star Wars terms and on remarkably small sets. So they're employing quite a lot of trickery to create that grand feel. Well, I like about it, you know, back to, um, you know, the use of practical special effects. So, you know, Baby Yoda, even though we know, know his name, but I won't spoil it in case you're, you're, you're catching up on the series, because at the time of this episode going out, we'll be reaching the end of season two, which I want to talk to you about. But ultimately, a lot of practical effects, which acts back to the original trilogy. And, and the characters are just so likable. And you're right, you know, they've they kind of gone for that kind of um, Western kind of uh, feel about it, whereas obviously the original trilogy has had more of a kind of a... Um, sword and sorcery um, feel about it. But that's exactly the way in which, you know, George Lucas wanted the, you know, the crossover of different universe. On the subject of George Lucas, I was reminded by an article that he came up with a concept of a TV series in 2009 
that was meant to be, I don't know if you remember, we got all excited about it, but it was meant to be actually following this squadron of, uh, of X-Wing pilots and their, their kind of trials and tribulations across the universe. But um, as ever with George Lucas, his vision was such that it was deemed to be too expensive. And I remember actually some critics saying, but maybe Star Wars is too big for the small screen. And I wonder whether the Mandalorian has proven that theory wrong. I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. It's it, it works for me remarkably well, and uh, I, I want to see more of it. Uh, I love, as you've said, the, the 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 Easter eggs that they keep putting in there. You know, the the references to characters that we know and love. I had an incredible geek out moment where I saw a Tie Fighter <laughs> take off. You know, I've always wondered how Tie Fighters can land because they just don't look as if they've got any way of landing. But wow, the wings come sort of. <laughs> slope off to the side some of the guest stars we've had carl weathers who originally played apollo creed in the rocky films back in the 80s he's a character and he almost he also directed a couple of the episodes and i think this week michael Bean turned up and he was originally in aliens back in in uh, 1986 so they're they're really going through some sci-fi pedigrees here they are and i think you know you're right they, they are really well it's not their job you know to entertain people and draw mm. us in um and once again a lot more than the sequel but this is the last time i mentioned it but you know <laughs> you, you, you had the, the team for it you know you had john favreau who's done wonders for the marvel universe you have dave filoni who's been working on the animated series, obviously, for Star Wars. Kathleen Kennedy, that will need no uh, introduction. And Colin Wilson, who's worked on Avatar and the Jurassic um, World franchise. So, but what I what I really like about it, particularly you can watch it on the, a lot of the making-ofs on Disney+. Plus. They, they really, really respected, you know, the work of George Lucas, but also understood the world. And what they're using, really, is Mandalorian and essentially the quest to, one, keep Baby Yoda uh, safe, but also understanding why, you know, the um, the Empire is, is after Baby Yoda. But they are essentially taking us through the, the world and they are almost taking on the, the, the mental of C-3PO and R2-D2, so the two droids. We follow them, and as a result of which we discover, you know, where we are in a galaxy far, far away, no doubt. But um, I, I just think that the crafting of the story, and you're right, you know, the, the which the user sets and so on, is is exceptional when time and money will be, uh, you know, limited, you know, the, the, particularly where they have to m make it a series. Now, at first, I wanted to ask your reaction. At first, I was a little annoyed that I couldn't binge on The Mandalorian. So, you know, when they released it late for us in March, then we had to wait every Friday after that. I must confess, now into season two, I look forward to that weekly treat. How do you feel about it? Do you know, I had this conversation with my wife recently, and I think we've become spoilt by our ability to binge on box sets. But I've always, always been a fan of the cliffhanger and having to wait a week and to have that week to think about, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? Where's the plot going? How are they going to get out of that tricky situation? You know, I, I was brought up on Doctor Who and the the weekly cliffhanger was at, at once frustrating, but also incredibly exciting. And I think I'm probably like you. I like that weekly injection of Mandalorian fun. It doesn't often finish on a cliffhanger, but it always leaves something tantalising to make you think about until the next episode. And for me, 
in this world where you can literally watch an entire series in one day if you put your mind to it, I quite like the discipline of having to come back to it weekly. And the other thing I think that strikes me about this, and and we can, you know, this is supposed to be film marketing and (laughs) we haven't talked much about marketing. The thing is, yeah, I think we could wax quite a lot of lyrical about the fact that it's the flagship Disney Plus uh, TV show and obviously a lot of the marketing, a lot of the the promotion goes to the Mandalorian and we should take that as read. But going back to what we said about the last three films, I think that the last three films, they forgot who the audience was. Mm-hmm. And we know that when, you, when you're a marketing person, you've got to understand your audience. You've got to understand your customer and meet the needs of the customer. And you express the needs of the customer for those last three films. And you wanted them to do something special with the original characters, with Carrie Fisher, Princess, Princess Leia, Han Solo, Luke Skywalker. And they, they, they failed. They failed on that score. They didn't understand that the majority audience was going to be us who wanted them to do something with our characters. And they just went too far off in the other direction, trying to establish a whole new series of characters. But I think that they've either learned their lesson or they've just got it right with The Mandalorian, is they have absolutely understood that this is what we want. And that is why you and I are sat here enthusiastic (laughs) about this programme, because they've absolutely nailed the customer brief. I mean, I was very nervous about season one. I said, you know, as a Star Wars fan, am I going to have to cope with disappointment yet again? And from the get-go, I went, no, this is very good. No, and in which each episode, now sometimes the story is a little linear or a little repetitive, but in the context of a series, you forgive it. Now, let me remind you that by the end, uh, the end of December, we're going to have 16 episodes of Mandalorian to go back to. Bear in mind that season three is already in, in, in production. So for me, Denise, we have a bit of a ritual now. So we watch Mandalorian on the Sunday afternoon. So I've got to work very hard to keep away from spoilers on social media. I wear my favorite Star Wars t-shirt, you have to. <laughs> I watch The Mandalorian. Then I listen to reviews on the Spark of Rebellion, where you know our friend Mark Asquith is a co-host of Spark of Rebellion, the premier Star Wars podcast, if you ask me. And what is lovely is that we, we almost relieved because they, they both, him and Gary, are so excited about the, um, the the Star Wars series and they are creating you know their own reviews. And then before I go to bed, I watch the new Rockstar video channel where they do a review and all the, the Easter eggs and so on. So literally I have like a full day of Star Wars, um, you know, uh, excitement and so on. But back to marketing so that we we give something back to our lovely audience today. You may recall that I certainly was very critical of the lackluster marketing of Disney Plus. So when they, they kind of released and became available in the UK, we had a trailer. And not a very good one of that. And I thought, is that it? Where's the sense of excitement? Where's the sense of event? that you know we get in Disney Plus with the library of content that they were publishing. Now, fast forward to November, December, obviously, uh, 2020, there was only one trailer for The Mandalorian, but I think on this occasion, it was the right thing to do to keep so much intrigue and letting nothing really uh, to be revealed unless you watched the series. Yeah, I think, I think it, it, to me, I haven't, I can't honestly say I've been 
overwhelmed again by the marketing. But I do think word of mouth now has played its part. So whilst it might have been a bit of a damp squib back in March, I think the momentum has built and it has been much more of a spectacle this time. And things like Mark Asquith's podcast and people like us spreading the word, I just think that this time it has felt more like an event. Uh, and I think you're right. I mean, back to some of the comments we made about all, all the films out there, where every time you know an episode lands, within moments, you've got podcasts, blogs, and YouTube videos being published by all the fans, giving reviews, comments, critiques, and so on and so forth. Um, one that I don't tend to watch, but I know they're very popular, is people who are recording themselves watching the series live so that people can watch their reactions. It's another one, but uh, it is part of the of the ecosystems, which means that really, maybe you're right, as Disney+, Plus, if you concentrate on the production side, and do just enough to let people know it's coming, then maybe the fan base will take care of the marketing. Absolutely right. And of course, I can't remember whether it was episode one or episode two of this series, but there was that tantalising glimpse at the end of the episode of the person that I mentioned earlier. It was Boba Fett, wasn't it? It was Boba Fett. I think it was, you know, and that's lovely because what is interesting about the way they've done this, and maybe this is a lesson for us as content creators, if you are a hardcore fan, the way you and I and Richard and many others out there are, you get, you know, a lot, you know. But if you're just a casual viewer, you're still going to enjoy it because, you know, your enjoyment and understanding of the story is not predicated on how much, you know, <laughs> you know and read and, and, and listen about those things. And then flip what you mentioned, you know, all the stars they are bringing for that casual audience. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned, obviously, Michael Bean, but we had Timothy um, Oliphant, obviously, on the first or second one. We had Nick Nolte. In mm-hmm. season one, which blew my mind, you know, we, we had uh, Werner Herzog playing the uh, evil client and so on. So by the time they finished with season three, some of the, the who's who of kind of Hollywood and European you know, actors would, would have taken part in Star Wars. I mean, if you are people that like sci-fi, you had Katie Sackhoff, you know, from the uh, kind of uh, Galactica uh, franchise as well. She played, obviously, one of the Mandalorian in a recent episode, I was kind of going, yeah. And then it was like, <laughs> who is she? But it, does, it didn't matter because we still enjoyed, you know, the, the story together. Can I quickly ask you before we wrap up about the music of The Mandalorian? Oh, I like it a lot. Again, it's, uh, again, it to me, it has that Western feel to it again. So it's not, it's quite obviously not that bombastic sort of big starships having great big battles in space feel but again i think it suits it just suits the uh, the style of the show the mandalorian is in the star wars universe but it has its own look and feel and i think the music is absolutely brilliant what i wanted to uh, remind all of us about which is the conversation that you and i had obviously uh, off air about choosing the mandalorian was not just talk about star wars but also because content series or thinking series not singles is really i think at the heart of anyone's strategy so in the case of the mandalorian here we are in season two with the same storyline nothing's changed just the obstacles and and the stakes are getting higher 
and I think if I was to use that, you know, as a, as a as an image to take away, which is for all of us in business, and and of course it could be B two B, B two C, there is you know nothing wrong. If anything, you you will do yourself a huge favor to be seen to be exploring a challenge, to be exploring uh, you know an issue or a solution thoroughly over a series as opposed to do a one-off because i think the one-off bit of content now smacks too much to me of clickbait or that kind of tricking the seo playing the seo game and so on if you want to build trust and against your audience you've got to be to, to be seen to be the author and the instigator of a content series not just one-offs definitely pascal at least 40 episodes released <laughs> twice a day over the period of a month that sort of that sort of content series i think do you know this could easily be two geeks and a star wars podcast so on that note i think we should draw this episode to an end it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you about the mandalorian and i'm sure we could carry on talking for another half an hour but <laughs> Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this episode of Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast. It's our pleasure to bring our combination of pop culture and marketing to you every week. Please do subscribe, leave comments and suggestions in the places where you consume your podcast, whether it's the video version or whether it is the audio version. Until next time, please do go out there and make sure that your marketing is done right. I was Roger Edwards and he was Pascal Fintoni. Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates.